on iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the chair and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host for today. Today, we welcome Monica Marquez, Global Head of Community Advisory at Google, as our guest. Monica also played an instrumental role in getting the very first formal return to work internship program off the ground, the Goldman Sachs Returnship Program in 2008. And Monica got iRelaunch involved in the early years of Returnship, so we go way back. Monica is working on building a similar program at Google, and we will talk about that today. Hi, Monica. Welcome to 321 iRelaunch. We have a lot to talk about today. Yes, thank you so much, Carol. Thank you for the invitation and look forward to our conversation. Well, we are thrilled to have you. And before we go into a discussion about uh, the Goldman Returnship Program and what you're doing now, can you walk us through your career and give us a little bit of background? Certainly. So let's see, let's make this kind of a a fast forward uh, story. So I went to uh, a small school, well, not necessarily small school, but I went to a school, Texas Tech University in uh, Lubbock, Texas. Uh, So come from a very traditional Mexican American background, oldest and only daughter, first generation college student. Um, So had always this yearning of um, kind of expanding my limited frame of reference, because that was one thing I did know that there was, you know, in this isolated small West Texas town, um, definitely grew up uh, with without, you know, a lot of exposure to to the world and to different viewpoints. Um, So went to school, um, originally thought I was going to be a doctor, lawyer or engineer, Uh, got my bachelor's in biology, looking forward to business school. But I think through my four years in college, realized how much opportunity and and things that were out there. Um, And so had this keen sense of really exploring, you know, what what the world, you know, had in store for me. Um, So pursued my master's degree, uh, shifted a little bit, went into higher education administration, um, and really was thinking about student development theory and how people develop um, and really, you know, just through exposure of experience, um, how they kind of uh, holistically, you know, shape their identities. Um, that said, I packed up after getting my master's degree and moved to New York City uh, and figured if I could make it there, I could make it anywhere. Um, so went there and actually got a job and started working at NYU in um, the study abroad programs. And so I was managing study abroad programs, uh, recruiting students and getting them, you know, convincing them to go abroad and immerse themselves in other cultures, exp- you know, expose themselves to other parts of the world um, as, as kind of immersion as learning experience. Um, and so did that for about four years. And um, ironically, in my circle of friends, had someone who was a recruiter at Goldman Sachs. And in the early 2000s, many of the companies really started thinking about diversity and inclusion, uh, thinking about emerging markets, sending their employees to you know, various parts of the world to work, and really realizing that they needed to really um, train and have people really develop their cultural competency in order to do business in other, in other countries and other parts of the world. Um, and so with that, it was like 
you know, you need to really focus on hiring people that, um, you know, reflect, you know, society or, you know, areas where you're wanting to do business. And so I got tapped by um, a friend of mine to interview at Goldman to start focusing, you know, on some of the diversity initiatives. And, you know, in all honesty, I didn't know who Goldman Sachs was at the time. Right. Talk about limited frame of reference. Um, and, and, you know, I had, a, you know, this recruiter, my friend Galit was like, do you have friends who went to business school? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, please tell them that you have an opportunity at Goldman and you're not, con- you're considering not taking it because you don't know who they are. <laughs> and believe me, that was kind of like a joke. I will never live down. My friends are like, oh my God, I had no idea. You know, when I went to him, I said, hey, I have this opportunity at Goldman. And they were like, hang up the phone, say yes. And then you call us back and you tell us what this role is. Um, <laughs> so, That's awesome. Yeah. So hence, I, I took the role at Goldman and um, and it was an, an amazing opportunity because I was asked to join the experienced hired diversity recruiting team uh, who were focusing on bringing in experienced hired diverse talent and creating that pipeline. So I inherited the um, kind of the initiatives around the at the time was called Goldman Sachs New Directions. And it program where they were inviting women to come to Goldman, learn about opportunities. And many of these women had, you know, taken a voluntary career break and wanting to re-enter the workforce. Um, and so these were extremely successful conferences. We had 300 plus women showing up. Um, but what I immediately started, you know, getting hit with in terms of obstacles and barriers were, you know, we had this amazing talent. I had a, a you know, a stack of, you know, 300 plus resumes of very, uh, you know, capable women and skilled women, but hiring managers were not um, giving them the time of day because there were gaps on the resume. And mm-hmm. it was a kind of this, like, you know, hint, like this, it, it was a huge, like hindrance for someone to have a gap on their resume. So um, I was, you know, one morning was sitting there just kind of like, you know, getting ready for work. I was in the shower and I'm sitting there thinking, how do I get some hiring managers to consider some of these, you know, these candidates. And I started kind of going through and thinking about ways of like, how do other like people get opportunities at Goldman outside of just coming into like, you know, graduating and coming in. And then it dawned on me, well, most of those come in through an internship program. Um, And it's kind of a trial, that trial period. And then you get offered, you know, after the summer internship, a potential full-time offer. And so that's when it dawned on me. I was like, we need, an internship-like program for returnees. And so I decided, put my proposal together and went to go pitch it to the head of diversity, you know, at the time, who that was Edie Hunt, who is an amazing person and still to say one of my mentors and sponsors. Um, and I remember being very nervous pitching this idea because it was like no one had ever done it. It was this maybe pie-in-the-sky idea. And I remember wanting to say it's an internship for return, you know, for returnees got totally tongue twisted and said, it's a returnship. And I kind of paused and she looked at me and I looked at her and she was like, I know exactly what that means. She's like, I love the name. Let's trademark it and let's just do it. Um, that was kind of the, you know, the how returnship was born. It was a total mistake. It was a tongue twister um, that, you know, got got caught up. But that was the genesis of the returnship program. And, um, you know, it was it's a proud, you know, thing for me to say that returnship is still going strong at Goldman. It celebrated its 10 year anniversary this past year. 
Um, and, and, you know, and you, your work is a testament to where, you know, you've kind of taken that model and, and, you know, really kind of scaled it and cascaded it across various different industries. So, so now we're here talking about how do we, how do we crack, how do we crack that in the tech industry? Right. Well, thank you for talking about that. I love just the, the history and the circular nature of this and coming back to where you started and thinking about uh, where that the whole returning professional internship concept is now, um, looking back over the last 10 years. And also the this milestone in terms of, as you said, the gap before what meant that you couldn't get hired. And now you need the gap in order to be eligible for these programs. So there, there's a, you know, a full circle there too, which I, I just think is such a huge milestone. Uh, so thank you for walking through it. And I'm so indebted to you for all the pioneering work that you did uh, to create the returnship program at Goldman. So very, very exciting. Um, so can you just comment, because I think it's so interesting, you know, after um, Returnship was running at Goldman for a few years, um, a number of the different investment banks uh, ended up starting programs. And now they're pretty prolific on Wall Street and, and financial services. And I would say that Wall Street is a real leader, is the leading industry sector, the one that um, created the whole example as a sector that other sectors are now following. Do you have any thoughts on why that is why Wall Street um, is is a leader in in the whole space of career reentry. Yeah, so I think you know when I when I sit there and I think now that I'm working in other industries like tech and and thinking about the things that I did while I was at Goldman and Wall Street is, you know, Wall Street is notorious for always forecasting, right? They're always forecasting, whether it's forecasting where you should invest, you know, where the stocks are going. Um, they they leveraged a lot of those same kind of forecasting um, skill sets in thinking about pipeline and where it is that you're going to need talent. And so I do think that, you know, just based on various different, you know, metrics and just uh, really wanting to make sure that, you know, you've got to stay ahead in that war for talent um, what do you do that's creative to make sure that you're bringing in the right type of talent? And, you know, I think, it, you know, what, what I know now, like if I had known then, um, you know, it, it's those things in hindsight, hindsight's 2020, where, you know, we were kind of trying to be, you know, ahead of the curve, pushing the envelope a little bit and, and really trying to get to some of those, you know, creative pipelines or untapped pipelines. Um, and so I do think that, Wall Street is ahead of a lot of other industries, I think, just because because of that, like needing to be on the cutting edge uh, in order to have the kind of upper hand or just that like bit of a head start. And, you know, when I compare you know, when I compare it to the tech companies, I mean, if you think about it, the tech industry is actually relatively young. And and when you look at Wall Street and some of these other organizations, they are, you know, 100 plus years old, you know, 150 years old. So they've been grappling with these, these, I would say, challenges for much longer. And so, you know, definitely have probably tried, you know, tried many different, you know, uh, ways to solve for them. And I think, you know, when we launched the Returnship Program, it became one of those kind of, uh, you know, programs that kind of helped create at least a small solution for or uh, tap into an, 
kind of, kind of an untapped pipeline that others kind of jumped on it really quickly. And so I just think that, you know, Wall Street and the finance industry is probably just ahead only because they're a much older industry and others are kind of catching on as they kind of grow, mature and start seeing some of those same trends play out, whether it's, you know, if you think about the gender specific attrition, you know, trends that you see um, playing out now that, you know, have leadership kind of scratching their head of like, how do we solve for that? Um, and they tend to now look back into some of these companies who were grappling with the same attrition kind of trends years ago. Um, so that I think that's why I think Wall Street, you know, one, they Wall Street has always been very progressive um, and forecasting and, and always future forward. And so I think um, it's actually helped me quite a bit, you know, in, in, in moving to some of these industries where, you know, trying to get them to, and in some cases they feel like it's cutting edge or it's like, you know, we're pushing the forefront, but it's like, actually, it's just, it's just best practices that have been practiced in other industries that were, you know, facing this challenge, you know, this, these challenges earlier than you were. Right. You know, I totally agree with you. I think it's pretty fascinating, actually, if you think about Wall Street, um, they've gone through generation after generation after generation because they're so old of employees going through all these different life stages and women peeling off at every level and then having this moment of urgency that was the triggering uh, point for, you know, we, we is finally at, at set to, there's such an urgency around this issue that we actually have to take action and do something about it. And then, then you know, coming up with a solution like returnship is just really amazing. Um, and, con you know, contrasting that to uh, where you are right now, Google, which I think is maybe 20 years old or, or around that. Um, and so really just um, experiencing the full generational life cycle shift for maybe the first time or, or beginning to be the second time. And so it's a newer issue. The sense of urgency feels um, just as strong. And I'm just wondering um, if you can talk about, uh, well, first of all, maybe how you ended up where you to where you are now at Google, and then in a place within Google where you're starting to think about uh, these uh, these same same sorts of topics. But before you answer that question, I just want to tell our listeners that you are listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. This is your host, Carol Fishman Cohen, and I am speaking with Monica Marquez, Global Head of Community Advisory at Google, and a person who has been a pioneer and instrumental in the career reentry space for over 10 years now. So, Monica, I just want to pick up where we left off, if you can talk about um, how you ended up at Google and then in a place where you're thinking now about some of these same issues and what a solution might be um, in the context of, of Google. Sure. So um, how I ended up at Google, it's, it's kind of similar to uh, maybe some of the things that you teach and, and share with your um, iRelaunch uh, conference attendees or members uh, is that network um, in terms of like, you know, how do you how do you leverage your network? How do you maintain your network? And a lot of the times, many of your opportunities come out come out of your network or the, your proximity to people who create these opportunities. And so as I mentioned, worked several years in diversity and inclusion at Goldman Sachs, um, and you know I also worked at you know Bank of America and leadership development, um, where you know I took a I took a little bit of a shift uh, where you get in kind of that idea where you don't want to get siloed into um, into DNI 
and then realized that my passion lies in DNI. So kind of full circle came to DNI. Um, and, and mainly because I did have former colleagues of mine who worked in the DNI space with me at Goldman and had landed in various leadership positions um, at, at Google. And, uh, you know, when I kind of moved, when I moved to the West Coast, uh, they reached out and were kind of buzzing in my ear of like, hey, you know, Google is wanting to create, you know, um, you know, is working really hard on the diversity and inclusion uh, initiatives and strategies. And, you know, it, you're very familiar with this work and, you know, would love for you to kind of partner, come in, partner with us in, in getting a lot of these things off the ground. So, um, you know, my my true role is uh, working with various different ERG or employee resource groups co communities. Um, and, you know, being that my team are the advisors to help create, uh, you know, strategy uh, focus, making sure that their goals and priorities are aligned with Google's goals and priorities as well. Um, and with that, you know, in that umbrella is also focusing on how do you how do you partner with staffing and pipeline, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things where me working, uh, you know, trying to to stand up a program um, around, you know, for Google for reentry uh, people reentering is is an interesting one because it kind of is um, it it crosses both the spaces of you know us partnering with staffing but also leveraging the the women's community within Google as well to kind of help us um, you know create a safe community uh, a welcoming community an inclusive community for women and women of color uh, at Google uh, because I think it's not just an issue at Google, it's an issue in the tech industry of under, underrepresented minority groups and women um, where those numbers are, you know, extremely challenging just because of, um, you know, they not really pursuing careers in technology or studying tech. And so I think it's a different, it's the same challenge, but a different challenge in that having to start really early and getting people interested in, in technology and in computer science. Um, but then even those who do come in, um, you know, and needing to take career breaks, it's almost, I, I find it like the conversations are almost even more urgent, as you said, because technology changes with the wind, you know, it's always, it's always evolving. And so a short break on someone's resume um, where, you know, I remember on Wall Street hearing leaders tell me, oh, well, you know, two years, like after two years, you're obsolete. Here at Google, it's like two years. It's like, oh, my God, it's like light years. It's like, no, actually, you know, one year, you know, you could be, you know, things will evolve that quickly. So, um, so there is a level of urgency of like, how do you, you know, how do you re- Re, how do you onboard some of these women to help them re-enter in a space that's you know forever evolving, and then really kind of getting people to answer the questions like, is it really evolving that quickly, or there are some basic kind of core skill sets that as long as you have those, you're able to you know kind of catch up and close the gap. Uh, so that those are some of the questions that we're asking and thinking about as we consider as we start are starting to consider and pull together what this program would it would eventually look like and thinking about what kind of trainings what kind of focus what kind of support systems are we going to need to create um, in a space like technology not just at Google but you know tech as a whole um, and how do you change mindsets of you know managers who are thinking that you know 
it's impossible to manage a gap in a, in a, in a, in an industry that changes so quickly. Right. And I, I think, you know, your point about supply, so it's a much more limited supply in terms of who has the credentials and that these early initiatives like Girls Who Code and all these initiatives um, to, that, that are amazing and excellent, um, but are focused on very young girls or young women who are in college careers, those are efforts, especially one for girls that are going to take years to play out before they um, can have an impact on uh, the supply side of uh, women who have the right credentials. And in the meantime, one of the things that I think is the beauty of these uh, re returnship or returning professional internship programs is that you are looking at populations of women who are already credentialed and already have the work experience, but for one reason or another, left their technical roles. And this issue about um, what does success look like and how does it happen when someone's been comp is, is completely technologically obsolete, you know, what does it look like when they get back into a highly technical role? So one of the, the, our priorities that I relaunch is to get these success stories out there of women who return to work after long career breaks in highly technical roles and are thriving once they're back. So I think that's that's a whole piece of the, of the career entry space that is really, really important. Uh, and, you know, the more success stories we get and have out there, then the more um, comfortable and confident companies can be that, you know, this can really work. And, uh, I, you know, I, I always love the um, internship concept as a way for companies to engage with this population to the extent that they're concerned or they see as attach risk to hiring people who are coming off of a career break, especially in the technical area. No, absolutely. And I think you've um, made an extremely, uh, you've been extremely helpful in some of those case studies that you've shared and being able to show, you know, leaders across tech, tech that, you know, you've had women come back in and even though they may think that their skill set is, you know, obsolete or the knowledge that they were accustomed, you know, that they, that they built is obsolete, um, the actual core skill set of being able to understand, you know, and, and get back up to speed, they've proven time and time again. So uh, we certainly have been very grateful and, and happy to partner with you in, in the work that you've done, you know, over the course of the last 10 years to continue uh, showcasing and highlighting all of these examples of, of women that, you know, defy the odds and, and show them that, you know, yes, it can be done. Um, and I think, you know, ultimately, you know, hence why, you know, our continued, you know, partnership, because it, it's, it's one of those things where in technology, where it's a data driven, it's a data driven industry, and numbers don't lie, or, you know, case studies, you know, proof of concept, basically, um, you know, I relaunch has served as that proof of concept for us. So for that, um, I greatly thank you. Oh, well, Thanks, Monica. I really appreciate you saying that. Uh, thank you very much. Um, you, you know, as on that topic, so uh, Google was the lead sponsor of our 22nd I Relaunch Return to Work conference that we just held a few months ago at Stanford. And Monica, you were a keynote speaker. So I just wanted to know if you, you know, there there were technical relaunchers there. I I know I remember one who was out for 22 years who um, is now an iOS developer and thriving in the role back three or four years. I think we we had a whole panel of people who had returned um, in uh, technical in a range of different technical roles. And so uh, any 
comments or impressions of people who you met at the conference or anything that you heard that day that you think would would be notable to discuss? Yeah, so I, again, was impressed by the the number of just the volume, the sheer volume of, of individuals who were being very proactive, coming all the way out to, to Stanford to go to a, a full day program to kind of prepare themselves and get ready. And so you see that eagerness and you see that uh, that drive um, that really, in all honesty, you know, you want your your hiring managers and others to kind of see in, in individuals. So I was very impressed with that. And I was also very impressed, you know, with um, their, the tenacity of some of them that I got to engage with and talk to. And, you know, and, and again, I mean, I'm always reminded that even though they've stepped out of the workspace or, or the, the professional kind of, you know, um, career or the corporate, I guess, type of roles, they've stayed extremely active. And, and many of them, I think, are very aware of the, um, the, the idea of, you know, being obsolete or becoming obsolete. So many of the ones that I talked to, you know, explained how they still, you know, they stay, stay up to date, how, how they keep you know, up to date on on the things that they do, whether it's just you know continue con, you know continuing education or just reading on their own and maintaining kind of their skill set. Um, I was actually really impressed on on many of them who you know when a lot of these individuals take a break, they're just not taking a break and going on some like forever vacation. Um, you know, right. there's, there's reasons <laughs> of why they're taking this break, but at the right. time they're they're trying to they're still doing some very um, uh, amazing work on their own, whether it's, you know, consulting on their own or doing things that are keeping their skills fresh, um, and taking care of other responsibilities. So I'm always reminded that, you know, even, even someone who has been, uh, embracing this untapped talent pool that I'm reminded that, you know, we sometimes have our generalizations of thinking that these individuals have been on this like break and that their brain is turned to mush. And I'm always pleasantly surprised to find all of the things that they've been doing to stay engaged and stay current, um, and remain active. So, uh, that was something that I, it reminded me to come back and then be able to convey that message to our leaders of that. You have these very talented seasoned professionals chomping at the bit to come in and immediately add value. Right. I, I think that's so accurate. And uh, just to tell our listeners, we um, have 400 people at Stanford University on the West Coast. We are about to run our 23rd conference at Columbia, New York. We have 600 people there every year. We sell out every year. Uh, but this whole topic of updating, especially for people who are returning to highly technical careers, we have seen relaunchers like that iOS developer took a nine-month iOS development course. Um, we, we have had numerous relaunchers going in to data science who have taken uh, the MIT edX course in uh, in Python uh, and completed that and that's uh, that's a very powerful credential um, when someone is returning after a career break to signal to an employer how serious you are about updating yourself so we've seen some really excellent examples of uh, relaunchers being motivated to do a lot of coursework and 
very being very fortunate. There are so many high quality courses now that are online and self-paced and you could do them at, you know, from nine o'clock at night till two in the morning <laughs> and really fit them in your schedule. But just showing that drive, um, I, I'm really glad it's coming through loud and clear uh, to you, Monica, at representing our employer base, because that's that's one of the key um, elements of, about the relauncher population that, that we think is a real strength. Um, can you talk to us about some of the hallmarks of the Goldman Returnship Program that you are thinking about and would want to carry forward as you're considering uh, building a similar program at Google? Yeah, so I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, what I've realized a lot of the times is that, you know, these individuals who are coming on board, whether they're, you know, uh, you know, women, men, whatnot, their technical skills are their technical skills. What you can't argue about their technical skills. Um, you know, they've gone out there, like you said, they've gotten the credentials that they need. They continue to educate themselves and stay current. But the one thing that I think um, is, is hallmark that we will certainly focus on is um, part of the onboarding process is helping people hone in on some of their soft skills um, and hone on, you know, areas of, you know, whether it's self-promotion, but also co combating the, um, the, the, sometimes the negative kind of, uh, self-imposed imposter syndrome. Um, so yes. I think those are some of the things that I've been very keen on, uh, really wanting to make sure that we build into the onboarding process and then throughout the program of reminding them that, you know, they, they have the skill set. They, you know, are where they need to be and that they shouldn't second guess themselves just because, you know, they are coming in in a non-traditional way. Um, and so I do think that those are, you know, I think we forget about the soft skills a lot of the times. And, and I have found in my years of working in talent management and HR and following kind of the, you know, just people's career progressions as they navigate, you know, the, the organizations, when it comes to promotions, a lot of the times it's not the skill set. It's, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it'll say, they'll, they'll say, oh, well, they, they met the mark, they met their numbers, their work is great. Um, but it's always some sort of like soft skill set thing that they haven't mastered, whether it's, you know, leading, uh, you know, leading with confidence or, you know, ex executive presence or, um, or even just communicating their value and their worth through self-promotion. That's where I see individuals fall short. So I think one of those, I think it's key. I think it's something that we should always focus on. In the tech space, I think it can get lost because everybody is worried about: Do they have the credentials? Do they do they have the the skill sets? Um, and a lot of the times, it's yes, they already know that. Yes, they meet those minimum skill requirements. But sometimes, what holds them back are the soft skills. So I think in any program that I you know you know will create now and in the future, I will always make sure that we are focusing um, or very well balanced on focusing on the skill on the soft skills as well. Right. And can you comment on the cohort structure and the role of the cohort in this kind of programming? Absolutely. I feel, you know, we, we tried a few times, uh, you know, even when I was at Goldman to do kind of these off, uh, you know, kind of these ad hoc kind of off returnship, not necessarily in the timeline of the cohort. Um, and honestly, I think the cohort makes uh, 
um, my job, your job, whoever's whoever's managing the the returnship program, a little easier because the cohort I find actually are an extremely strong support system for the individuals coming through the program. Kind of like any cohort that you see, you know, you know, students entering college, you know, in a, in a certain cohort or just a group. Is, they're kind right. of helping each other along. They're going through the same exact experiences. And so I found that sometimes um, the most beneficial kind of programming and touch points that I did with a lot of the cohorts at Goldman was literally once a week, just affording them the opportunity and the space to come together and talk about some of the challenges they were dealing with day to day. And ironically, I wasn't even really needing to give them the answers or, or, you know, solve it for them. They were solving it for each other. And so I do think that, you know, bringing them in as a cohort is key, is absolutely key because feedback I, I got from individuals who came in on their own or came in after the start date um, of the cohort, they didn't have that sense of belonging and they didn't feel as supported. Um, and so I, you know, I will always stand by the, the cohort program. Um, and I would probably push back as much as I possibly could to do, you know, if, if there were groups trying to bring people in on an ad hoc basis, because I think at the end, it's not the you don't create the experience for the individual themselves, and you're not setting them up for success. Right. And just to clarify for our listeners, so when we're talking about the cohort, we mean just like in an entry level college internship program with the reentry mid-career uh, internship programs, uh, they it, the participants typically start on the same day and they move through the course of the program as a group or a cohort. And the orientation and a number of the programming elements of the, of the program are experienced with them as a cohort. And because they're so unique within the organization, um, they get a lot of support from each other because they're all moving through this personal and professional transition uh, together as a team. And as Monica is referencing, it's it's a strength of the of these programs uh, to be able to have um, support from other individuals who are uh, are all relaunchers and are all relaunching at the same time. So thank you for talking about that. So Monica, we're out of time. And the final question that I'd like to ask you, it, which is a question we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your top piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about in our conversation today? Sure. So I think my... Um best advice is that you should not be ashamed or afraid uh, to, to of the gap on your resume. I think you need to own that gap, embrace that gap, and use that gap to your advantage in terms of, you know, it has given you tremendous value and probably expanded your, your um, frame of reference in, in the things that you were doing during that break, because I think we all know that, um, or we've all learned that just because you are on a career break doesn't mean that you've stopped learning. Um, and so I think it would be, you know, in everyone's best interest if you own that gap and then you teach us or, or share with us the stories of how you've grown during that gap and then how much value you can add to the company coming back. And so I've seen, um, I've seen that gap do tremendous things for individuals 
uh, when they come back, just that, that persistence, that conviction, and then that diversity of thought they bring with them because it's a different perspective and it, and it certainly brings tremendous value um, to, to the teams. So my advice is own the gap and, and be proud of it. Excellent advice from a pioneering leader in the career reentry space. Monica Marquez, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. You've been listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. For more information about I Relaunch, go to irelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us. Oh,